Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Campionato di calcio italiano. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Forza Italian football podcast. I'm back. We're back. Ewan's not here. We're here to talk about round 14 of Serie A and what a round it was. Kev Pogzielski joins me. Kev, hello. Welcome back from Liverpool and welcome back into my company. How are you keeping? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, been a good weekend. Did you say anything about me on the podcast last week when I wasn't here? Uh, I don't know. Maybe commented on your absence directly after a international mm. break. No, I'm mm. not sure. That might yeah, your, use, your use of the word extended <laughs> holiday and break got to me there. To be perfectly honest with you, but there you go. We're also joined by Vito Doria. Vito, hello. How are you? I'm good, Connor. It's uh, great to have you back. Hopefully, we can make sure that the pod this time goes smoothly. I think that would be a ch- an achievement in itself. Uh, yeah, well, let's hope so. We've already had some off-air hiccups, but we've, unlike Ewan, sought to <laughs> address these issues before they arise. So, n- n- no offence, Ewan, but let- let's hope we get through things smoothly today. Let's take a run through all of the Serie A results then, shall we? The round kicked off on Friday. Cagliari drew 1-1 with Salernitana. Saturday saw Samp beat Verona 3-1. Empoli beat Fiorentina 2-1. But that, unfortunately, is not the biggest story from that game. We will get into that. Atalanta beat Juve 1-0 in Turin for the first time since 1989. Kev, I think you were probably alive then. I definitely wasn't. Inter beat Venezia 2-0 in Venice. Udinese Genoa finished scoreless. Um, that was on Sunday, and the rest of the games on Sunday were Milan lost 3-1 at home to Sassuolo despite taking a 1-0 lead. Bologna beat Spezia 1-0, Roma beat Torino 1-0, and Napoli thumped Lazio 4-0. Now, just before we get into this, I will send you guys a reminder to head over to patreon.com slash Forza Italian Football, 
where you can support the website for as little as two euro a month. Or if you want bonus content every single week in the form of Champions League podcasts, Serie A preview podcasts, soon to come historical pieces and newsletters from in Italy, well, then you can sign up for 10 or 5 euro a month and help keep the site going. Anyway, let's get into it, guys. And unfortunately, we've got to start by talking about something that didn't happen on the pitch because this weekend of all weekends... Annually, Serie A comes together to to show support for women who have been on the receiving end of of abuse and domestic violence. And, and this was that weekend. The players all wore red marks on their face to, to raise awareness. And at the Stadio Carlo Castellani, as the Fiorentina fans were... I, I guess it was when they were leaving the stadium, right? That's what it looked like in the videos. But... Greta Bacaglia, who is a, a journalist out here, was just reporting on the game from, from outside the stadium. And what can only be described as an absolute moron walked behind her and slapped her on the behind. And what was probably the the most unsettling thing about all of this was that as she continued her report, but took a, a momentary break to tell the guy, you cannot do that. There was a voice in the studio heard saying, Oh, like, I mean, don't, don't be angry or something along those lines. Just, it's, it's sickening to see that on any given weekend. This weekend, Kev, of all, it, it, it sat a little bit less easy than it, than it would have. Not that it would have anyway, but you take the point. Horrible to see this happening. Yeah, well, I think on the wink that they're um, not promoting, but they are uh, standing against. All- yeah, standing against making us all aware about um, domestic violence to women with the the um, the red sash, like sash or whatever it is that goes across their cheek. Um, it, it kind of reinforces how sometimes some of those things are not really doing too much. You know, a bit like you know they're just gestures in a way, and maybe there should be more being done to to do something. I'm sure there are in the background. This is just making awareness of, of these sorts of issues. Um, but the thing for me was that, you know, there are morons out there, but this is when a person is being recorded, live or otherwise, and I think that highlights just how bad it is that they think that they can do that. Because, you know, whether they're on, whether they're on TV or being recorded is irrelevant, but it's, it's almost, it just makes it, makes it somehow worse for me that they thought... No, it's still fine to do that, even if there's going to be video footage of me, because there's going to be absolutely no repercussions to to, to my actions, or that they feel that they can do it and there won't be any um, action or repercussions to their actions. Um, and somebody online commented, you know, they made some generalisation that she didn't go further with her protests at the individual because she feels scared or threatened to do so or whatever it's not it's, no it's not she's she's being as, as professional as she can in a scenario where she's been downgraded degraded sorry by somebody doing that when uncalled for and you know just bizarre strange will we ever get rid of these absolute idiots um we feel they can do that whether in the view of cameras or or, or not it is horrible to see, right? Because women in football don't have it easy. You know, there aren't that many of them in, in the men's game. The women's game here is still 
non-professional for now. It will become professional soon, but as things stand, there, there is that obvious inequality there. And then when women like Diletta Leota try to to come into the men's game, a lot of people talk about them for one reason and one reason only, and it's nothing to do with their remarkable presenting skills or or their insights into football. It's It's for purely, I mean, caveman-like opinions, right? And this was behavior that has no place in any part of Earth at the moment, to be honest with you. Disgusting to see, but let's hope the fact that it was on television will allow Fiorentina to identify the supporter in question and to take action against him. Given how clubs here tend to react to things, I'm not going to hold my breath, but they have no excuse to not because you could make out the guy's face. I'm sure other Fiorentina fans will be able to identify him, whether they were at the game or not, just by the the virtue of you recognize people that go to games regularly, and I'd imagine he was one of them. But let's hope that action can be taken, and to be frank, an example can be made out of this idiot because he deserves nothing more. Anyway, let's get on with the football. It, It finished on Sunday evening with Napoli going clear at the top of Serie A by beating Lazio 4-0. And I've got to say, I'm not surprised, Vito, that Napoli won this. I am very much surprised that they managed to win by four goals without response. And they were unstoppable at the Diego Maradona this evening. Talk about statement wins, and this was one of them. To win uh, comprehensively against what is still a... You know, a good team, Lazio. They're not uh, a bunch of pushovers. They're not a provincial side. And uh, they also achieved the victory against a coach that had given them so much joy in recent years. The type of football they produced was uh, reminiscent of those days, those days of Sarismo or Saribo. And uh, one of the men who was part of that era and thrived under Sari, Dries Mertens, uh, he scored twice. So um, it was uh, not the homecoming that Maurizio Sari thought of, but I think from Luciano Spalletti's perspective, I think he'd be extremely impressed and proud of the performance that the Partenope produced. A proud is definitely a word I think that Spalletti would use to, to talk about this performance. Kev, you did the report for us on this one. It was 2-0 after 10 minutes. And from then, I just got the feeling that the game is done because maybe in another season, you might have thought Napoli had some vulnerabilities. But under Spalletti, they've only conceded seven goals in Serie A so far this term. And it never for a moment looked like Lazio were going to have enough to, I mean, score one, never mind to to come back. Yeah, well, I was quite surprised actually that you said... um... You were you, you were surprised that um, they they got away without conceding any goals, considering they've conceded the least out of any Syria side this year. They did just absolutely blow Lazio away at the start. They were just so open defensively, which you know, considering Surrey is obviously having some struggles with converting that Lazio side from the back three, stroke five in you know defensive situations that they had under Inzaghi. Inzaghi and now to, to a back four um, means then they just sort of kind of drop deeper once they've once they've sort of fallen behind. Patrick was an absolute shambles on the right hand side, which was where the second goal came from, which which like Vito said was just this 
wonderful sort of team passing move, almost entirely made up of like one-touch passes. Even the ball lofted over to Insigne on the left um, allowed him to sort of touch it first time through to Mertens. Mertens first did um, Luis Felipe and then sat Patrick down before curling it past Reina. But but then Lazio did go up the other end. Ospina pulled off a probably a bit of a over acrobatic save from Luis Alberto from the resulting corner. Acherby hit the crossbar. But for five minutes later, then they were they were behind again through Mertens. And I while it wasn't a great watch the second half, I did find it quite interesting just how well Napoli managed that. Mm. Um because that's that's exactly what they needed to do. Three goals ahead. They were disciplined without, you know, without sort of sitting back and giving away, um, you know, the odd goal just from taking your foot off the gas and, and deservedly got a fourth um, just before the end. It was a it was a real mature performance is probably what you'd call it. I think you've been harsh there to say that the second half wasn't a good watch because I think it very much was, but for completely different reasons to the first. And it's because of how Napoli just said, right, this game is done and we're going to show you why. You're not going to get the ball. And if you do get the ball, you're not going to be able to get anywhere near our goal because we've got the best defence in Serie A and a decent midfield in front of it to protect us. So I thought it was quite an interesting watch from that perspective, just seeing how Spalletti said, okay, this game is done and and we're killing it off now. There's no way for you guys to come back into this. But Vito, Dries Mertens showed just how good he still is and how much he still has to offer. And I think maybe a lot of people, myself included, felt guilty to perhaps under-appreciating just how much he can bring to this Napoli team, given he was injured at the start of the season. He's come back. Aussie men was so important. Now Aussie men's out, and everyone thought, oh, is this a crisis? But Mertens very much just said, guys, I'm still here. Well, it's definitely a statement performance for him. I think I'll be using that uh, adjective a few times because uh, in this particular game too, to score the two goals and just turn back the years, that was uh, fantastic. And I must admit, I was a bit sceptical if uh, Mertens could uh, recapture that form on a consistent basis. Uh, He's got about three months to show that even at his age that he can still produce those moments at Magic. Then with Ossiman out... I think uh, his experience and quality will be just as important as ever. Uh, Ossiman has been a great addition to the Napoli squad in the 18 months or so that he's been at the club. And uh, this season, in particular, under Spalletti, he's really thrived. He's really become that focal point of the attack. But to have him out uh, is a loss. Yet, with the way Mertens stepped in against Lazio shows that, you know, the class is still there and uh, uh, Napoli at this stage don't have too much to worry about. couple of things for you, Kev. Martin's got two delightful goals. I can't choose which I preferred. I'm leaning towards the first just because of the way he sat the, the Lazio defender down. But the second was gorgeous as well. So for you, which did you prefer? And most importantly, what you make of the Napoli kit? Uh, well, to be honest, it's the, the first leader Napoli kit is the home version is the best of the Maradona, uh, you know, uh, tribute kits. Um, they're still ridiculous. I just had whatever that is. That's the ninth one. Um, I like you probably are edging towards the first Mertens goal. 
partially because it's a team goal, but also because it started so far back. Because I think the first, you know, it, it did pretty much start from the back line, and mm. you know that that whole passing move, you know, went kind of almost left to right as well. Because when they first started by passing out to the right, back into the middle, over to the left, over for Insigne and um, onto Mertens to finish. So, yeah, while the other one was probably a little bit more of a beautiful strike, the team goal probably doesn't for me. Yeah, Fabian Ruiz's goal as well deserves a mention in terms of an individual strike that was just so beautifully placed into that bottom corner. And the way it nestled in the net as well and went around was was absolutely gorgeous. Vito, you've described it as a statement win a couple of times. It does now allow Napoli to go three points clear at the top, having finally taken advantage of a Milan slip, which they hadn't been able to do before. Um Another three points clear. Do you fancy them to get through this difficult run, maintaining a little bit of daylight at the top between themselves and Milan or Inter or Atalanta or whoever it is? No, I think so. Um, one of the things I've been noticing on the side is that they haven't had the best of campaigns in the Europa League so far. Uh, they've lost twice to Spartak Moscow. So I wonder if Going forward into the season, if they are eliminated from the Europa League early or early enough, that's going to help them push for that third Serie A title in that in their history. Um, but even if we just look at the squad for what it is, um, it's still very strong. Um, they had Lobotkin midfield and they brought them off the bench. So I think with Spalletti managing to get the balance right in terms of having players in position, being able to have players that aren't always playing and still do well, uh, I think that really is a great thing for them as the season progresses on. And uh, I think uh, the way Spalletti's managed the situation, uh, they're putting themselves, at least at this stage, in that position to really push for that first Scudetto since 1990. Okay. On the other side of things, Kev, how much do you think this loss is going to hurt the Bianco Celesti? Well, I don't think um, spirits are particularly high at the moment. Um, they're really struggling, it would seem, just to to become a functioning unit um, under Sari. You know, at the start of the season, we thought that they would probably quickly adapt to his style of football and create lots and lots of chances and we put Immobile down as our potential um, Capocagnari. Um, they just keep stuttering and, you know, what are they now? They're languishing at eighth. Oh, only sort of six points off of what they'd want to be sort of challenging for Champions League places. But I just don't, I just don't see them picking up enough consistency considering we're nearly halfway through the campaign. Napoli are top because Milan allowed them to pull clear by going 1-0 up at home to Sassuolo, but losing 3-1. The second time in a row they've now lost at home to Sassuolo because of that game last season where Raspadori took them apart. This time it was Berardi and Gianluca Scamacca who, I mean, almost single-handedly beat the Rossoneri. I think that might be harsh on the rest of the Sassuolo team because it was a really good team effort and Maxime Lopez was probably the standout but Vito Scamacca was on it Berardi was on it again and Milan looked like they didn't have much of a response for a lot of this game no they didn't and uh, 
for Milan, well, they had Alessio Romagnoli come back. He scored the goal, and then he got sent off, you know, later in the game. So he definitely went from uh, hero to zero, and that's not what they need from the captain. As for Sassuolo, I think uh, it was a very important important win on their part to have Scamacca, who's been caught up to the Italian national team, and you could argue that his scoring rate wasn't big enough, but I think to have this performance against AC Milan was uh, was fantastic for him, and I think he needs to keep on producing these kind of performances if he's to show to Mancini that he warrants more time in the national team, especially for those playoffs in March. As for Berardi, just the way he danced around uh, um, Romagnoli, I just had a bit of a chuckle, to be honest. (laughs) The way he did it and the way he finished, I thought, yeah, that's the Berardi we know. And again, just definitely would love to see more of that from Berardi because when he's like that, he's just a joy to watch. I I also quite enjoyed Berardi's footwork for that, but what was the peak of the whole thing for me was... Alessio Romagnoli just fell on his face and he was he was so hapless that he didn't even put his hands down to protect himself. He just let his face hit the ground. <laughs> it, it started so well for him as well. <laughs> you know, question the goalkeeping for the for the opening goal for Milan. But you know, he scores, you know, he's, he's obviously been in out of this out of the side probably the last 18 months, um, struggling to kind of get Tamori out or even Kaya out. And then you know I think they're all culpable for the for the seconds as well. Go from the corner, although it was unfortunate that it you know the ricochet. And then yeah, just how he sort of oh uh, you know his blood got turned by Verardi <laughs> sort of drinking, and then the rugby tackle on the end was just oh. The, oh you could see you could see as he walked off. It was just he, he was he was he didn't know why, why he'd done it himself, let alone you know anybody else questioning why he'd done it. Yeah. Just look on his face was 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 wonderful. I mean, Spending I can understand point. why he took Defrel out because he had just fallen on his face <laughs> trying to keep up with Berardi. You could forgive him for thinking, ah, I'm not, I'm not going through that again. But you, I'll take the red. But somebody tried to somebody somebody on social media tried to sort of suggest that he might be um, concussed or something from the knock on the head, and it's like, oh. You are, you are. You are I, 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 whether it was any member of his family that was just trying to sort of soften the blow of how badly he sort of took the frail down um, with his hands. Um, yeah, they were being very generous to suggest that he had some lasting damage from that Berardi goal, I think. Mm, Vito, Milan have kind of just flipped on their heads, though, because for most of the season, they were rubbish in Europe and great in Serie A. And I had this opinion that I've said on the preview pod a couple of times that Milan are two different teams. There, There's European Milan and, and domestic Milan. I think they swap places this week because Milan have now lost twice on the bounce in Serie A, losing to Fiorentina and Sassuolo, but they won for the first time in the Champions League. So what's going on here? Should we expect Milan to be rubbish domestically until Christmas, but somehow get through the Champions League group? What's happening? Oh, look, uh, I can't really put a finger on it. But in the absence of Ewan, I think it's all to this herding cats thing with uh, Pioli. You know, um, like I responded to one of his tweets, uh, you know, herding cats becomes tiresome and then another cat emerges from the cloud. And uh, Junior Macias, he was the hero against Atletico Madrid with that header. And uh, from what I saw in that second half against the Sassuolo, he looked like the one that was trying to keep uh, 
the Rossoneri in the game. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe um, maybe it's Macias. He's got to keep on uh, showing his uh, glorious and uh, remarkable rise or someone else uh, steps up and just shocks us. Kev, we've got to give credit to Sassuolo because they've not had the easiest of starts. I say starts, we're almost midway through the season now, but they've not had the easiest first half of the season since appointing Alessio Dionisi to, to replace Roberto de Zerbi. They're 12th, they've only got 18 points, but of those 18, six of them have come away to Milan and Juve. So those are huge results for Sassuolo this season. And you just hope that they can use these to build on and, and kick on in the second half of the season. Yeah, you do. I think maybe it's a, a season of embedding Dionysi. Um, if, you know, arguably, I'd be more concerned that six of their 18 points have come from those games because it almost feels like they can get themselves up for that. You know, in, in those cases, sometimes it's going beyond the tactics because it's kind of just the personal drive of the individuals to want to sort of show themselves on a on, on a bigger stage. Um, but it, it would be be nice to have them sort of up their points in, but you don't. What's but above and below them, and how those teams have performed almost feels like this is the level that Sassuolo are playing at this season, which yeah, which is exactly how a league a league uh, toilet table should work. Um, but, Thanks uh, for that. But yeah, yeah, there you go, everybody. Massive insight from me. <laughs> but if I were to tell you that Empoli, Verona, and Bologna were all ahead of Sassuolo, would you not be surprised? Empoli would be the only surprise for me. Um, but you know, we'll probably we'll touch on their smash and grab at the weekend this weekend. Um, but 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 yeah, no. Bologna, Verona, no. maybe. But we are only talking about sort of three points, so they'll mm. they'll 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 they can switch places quite quickly. Um, nobody else would 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 really surprise me too much. Vito, for the first time since nineteen eighty nine, Atalanta went away to Juventus and left with three points. This I thought until tonight was the best game of the season because it was played at such a pace that it was impossible to keep up with at times in the first half. Then Napoli-Lazio happened, so I think that probably edges it. But what a game, what a performance from Atalanta. And they've now beaten Juve back-to-back times in Serie A, just that Coppa Italia final loss in between. It's a real statement yet again that Gasparini has taken them on another level, even compared to the levels he had already taken them on in previous seasons. Despite the way... Juventus have been struggling this season. I still think that uh, for Atalanta to get the first win against Juventus in Turin over 30 years is an impressive effort. And uh, it also shows that uh, Atalanta didn't need to um, go for the blowout type of thing. Uh, In this case, the solitary goal from Duvan Zapata was enough and it was a fabulous strike on his part too. But to come back with the three points, they only... Just needed the one goal instead of the usual four or five that they're capable of doing. And uh, it's sometimes, you know, it's these kind of games that you need to just get the results. And uh, they did that. Atalanta, even though the statistics show that uh, Juventus had more possession in the end, uh, at least with Atalanta under Gasparini, they've got they've had this clear of clear idea of how to play. They've had that for five years now, and um, 
yeah, I think, it, you know, I keep using this uh, phrase, you know, it's a it's a confidence booster. But, you know, when you've beaten the team that's been dominant in over, in about 10 years in Italian football and you get the points like that, uh, I think it says so much for the work Gasparini has done and how this team, this Atalanta side, has still been up there with those teams fighting for Champions League spots. There's been this weird thing about Atalanta having had a slow start this season. They've lost the same number of games as Milan. They're on 28 points, three off Inter, four off Milan and and seven off Napoli. But Kev, can we say that they are in the title race again this year? Uh, Yes, because I do expect Napoli to drop more points. Um, I don't, I think this is, this might be the start of us seeing Milan start to stutter. They stuttered around late January, February last year, so it's maybe coming a little bit earlier. And Inter are still sort of gone finding their feet under a new coach. So while you've only got seven points separating top to fourth, um, fully expect Napoli, sorry, Atalanta to be in the hunt just as much as anybody else, really. What we've got to say as well is that what we are now seeing is almost Atalanta's first team because the back three was Jim City, Toloi and Demi Rao. Palomino has been excellent, dropped out of the 11. They still don't have their fullbacks back, but Hans Atabor was back in the team. Robin Gossens will be back soon. He, he suffered not quite a relapse, but a little bit of a setback during the week. He was hoping to get back into the team for that trip to Turin, and then he was hoping to get back for the, the Tuesday game in, in Serie A, but it looks like that's going to be delayed a little bit now. But they're getting the band back together. Pessina started too. And it's easy to forget that they're on 28 points, they're up in the conversation, and they haven't had their first 11 available at any point this season, which, again, just shows the work that Gasparini's done to get these players like Davide Zappacosta, for example, playing at the level he's been playing at, Jose Luis Palomino playing at the level he's been playing at. It's remarkable. Mario Pasalic as well has found form that he's... I've always defended him, I've always been a fan of his, but he's never played to this level before this season. And then Vito, you've got, you mentioned his goal, Duvan Zapata, who's having the season of his career so far. And just in the last week or couple of weeks, we've seen again what a player he is. And he's arguably the best centre forward in in Serie A up there, in the top two at least. Yeah, he's definitely up there. And... uh... Look, I think the way things are going now, um, I think he's going to be well in that battle for that Capo Canoniere title. Uh, he's got nine goals now. Uh, seven have come in the last seven games. And uh, even when things were seemingly bad for Atalanta, he was still playing well. He was still a presence up front. He was still dragging defenders and you know, really getting under the skin of the opposition defenders. So um, even when things weren't at their best for Ladea, he still did well. And now that they're getting back into the rhythm of things, uh, they're back to the, you know, almost the full-strength team, uh, I think he's really going to become even more dangerous. And I think we're going to see an interesting battle with uh, Dusan Vlaovic of Fiorentina and probably Immobile 
to fight for that Kapu Kanonere title. I also remember that I actually tipped Zapata to win it last year, but uh, it wasn't to be. I didn't think he had the best of starts last season. And he was still he still had a good campaign last season, but I think this season, even at 30 years of age, he's looking just as good, if not better than ever. So, you know, I think it'd be an amusing conversation once we do the season review and we see what he's eventually done at the end of it, at the end of it all. When we're looking back at the season that saw Duvan Zapata crown Capo Caninieri, the season that saw Atalanta win their first ever Scudetto, the the season that saw Juan Musso named the best goalkeeper in Serie A. What a, what a season review we're going to have this year, Vito. I'm very much looking forward to it already. But, Kev, you mentioned about Atalanta having a very clear way of playing and knowing exactly what they're doing. Juve couldn't be further from that at the moment. Allegri went with what should have been a 4-3-3, but wasn't really a 4-3-3, nor a 4-4-2. I don't know what it was in the end, but Juve just look so far from what they should be. Yeah, it feels as if he's scratching around to try and find, almost as if the players he's got won't fit into a system that he wants to play. So he's now sort of juggling the players around to find a system that will at least yield some results, even if it's just in the short term. Um, I saw he got quite a lot of... um, abuse or criticism for fielding four midfielders or four central midfielders midweek against Chelsea when they were, let's face hmm. it, not annihilated in the Champions League. So it, it, it but, and, and I think part of that problem he has, has kind of been this strange recruitment policy because they had so much success with picking up free transfers with the likes of PLO and Pogba and then actually identifying where they had um, issues to resolve within the team. Um, they went out and sort of got that particular player, and for the last few years, it's felt that they've just been kind of gathering up as many players that are on free transfers and things as possible, or that they can get within their budget, and not actually looking at moulding a team in a particular coach's um, style. And partly because they've 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 had they've gone through three coaches in the last three seasons, so he isn't um, not to be criticised. But uh, you know, I suppose there's some method to the madness of his selections because he's just trying to sort of get a tune out of of this squad of players he's got at his disposal. We should also add that Juventus are now currently under investigation for some unusual transfer activity shall we say and some odd evaluations of players in recent uh, summer windows uh, the pianic art all <laughs> that'd be one of them kev that'd be one <laughs> yeah. of them but it's, it's by no means the only one um right. it's almost like everybody in the world saw the fees involved at that transfer and said wait what sorry how how much that was a bizarre thing at the time and now it's like ah okay it makes sense that it's being investigated but anyway let's move on shall we Roma beat Torino 1-0 Vito Tammy Abraham scored the game's only goal in this one but doesn't really matter Roma got a 1-0 win 31% possession Mourinho will be loving it yeah um yeah classical 
Mourinho result, if you want want to put it that way. But uh, I also felt that uh, Tammy Abraham probably deserved the second goal. His, his goal to win it was well taken. I thought maybe Torino could have got one themselves, but uh, I think uh, when you consider the professionalism of how the Giallorossi went about it, I think, uh, no, really, they're, they're the better team on paper. So I think in that regard, it was probably the justified result. I love a um, I love a touch and turn or a control and turn in one move that Tammy did to sort of before he sort of scored his goal. You know, just receiving that sort of through pass and turning as he sort of controlled it to give himself the perfect position to shoot was just lovely. Nice to see. He's one of those players that it's nice to see him doing well, isn't it? He's very likable. From the first game he played at the Olympico when he was singing the Roma, Roma, Roma. I think everyone just wants to see him do well. Even non-Roma fans are quite enjoying what he's getting up to. Yeah, I think there was something in the week uh, or closer to this weekend where he said, you know, how welcomed he's been made to feel when you know since arriving at Roma. But I think sometimes there's there's a, there's a huge importance of the player wanting to be, you know, wanting to integrate themselves. So as much you've got to be willing to accept that welcomeness. Welcome, yeah, if that's even a word, because you know it's it's fine. Someone saying, you know, here's all this sort of facilities and stuff, but but sometimes people coming into new organisations, jobs, you know, maybe even specifically footballers can be a little bit aloof if they don't think they're going to be there for a very long time. There's this buyback after two years, so there is a route back to the champ. Yeah, sorry, the Premier League because Chelsea could then just buy him and then just sell him off somewhere else and make some profit. But yeah, huge credit to how he's kind of approached coming over to a new country because it's something that British players don't don't do great anyway do. Speaking of people and the receptions they get when they come into new football clubs, remind me, I've got a little story that I want to tell you guys. Not for the pod, off air, about a recent change that has gone on at a, at a Serie A or a Serie B club. Um, I'll tell you when we stop recording this one. It was, I got a lot of enjoyment out of it anyway, if, if nothing else, but probably not one to, to broadcast. Um, Inter beat Venezia 2-0, Vito, and they weren't, I mean, Venezia didn't exactly cause Inter many problems, but they were quite stubborn, and Akan Chalonoglu scored after half an hour, and then it was basically a 1-0 win, but Lautaro scored a 94th minute penalty to just add a little bit of gloss on it, but Inter won't care because they've, they've won. Yeah, another, another victory on the board for them, so uh, although there have been other games where the Nerazzurri have been more convincing. I think it's just a matter of uh, taking the points from Venice and just head back to Milan happy. Kev, your Bologna went away to Spezia and they won 1-0. Decent result for them given they lost to Venezia last time out. Yeah, it's one of those places as well where you kind of expect just Bologna not to really go over and put up a bunch of fight. But late penalty from Arnautovic. Three points, top half of the table. I, you know, I do think this shows how you can benefit from sticking with a coach. Obviously, there were maybe reasons because of Mihailovic's personal situation that they maybe stuck with him during some sticky times. Um, but, but you know, what else have they got to achieve rather than maybe hopefully getting towards the sort of the, the lower European places. So I don't think chopping your coach out all the time is going to do that. So it's a, That's it's a good, so good solid win. unambitious. What wow. else can they achieve? If Atalanta had thought that, mate, 
Well, yeah, maybe I'm a bit too much of a realist and a bit too much of a pessimist, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. More it says more about me maybe than Bologna. Quite possibly. Or maybe why maybe why I like Bologna so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. we have a similar outlook on life. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, Empoli came from behind to beat Fiorentina two one. Dusan Vlaovic scored just before the hour mark, and then Filippo Bandinelli and Andrea Pinamonti scored in the eighty seventh and eighty ninth minute. Kev. To give Ampoli an unlikely win. Oh, oh unbelievable! Um, obviously, we we mentioned on the preview pod that it was a you know it was a, a Tuscan derby, um, and again, when we're talking about aspirations, when getting one over your neighbours is what you really want, what better way to do it than with two late late goals? Um, yeah, great result for them. I think probably the surprise result of the weekend came in in Genova where Verona went away to Sampdoria went 1-0 up through Adrian Tamazin but then I mean Antonio Candreva, Albin Ekdal and Nicola Moru scored and Sampdoria won 3-1 against Verona Vito how on earth has this result happened well I think a couple things the Verse has gone back to the 4-4-2 uh, I think he tried to go to the four three three formation. That didn't work out, so he's gone back to four four two. And um, bringing Alban Ekdal back into the team has been a big difference. I mean, he's an experienced player. He's a Swedish international. Uh, he organises things in midfield, and he's just so calm and shrewd. Just he makes the team more relaxed. And uh, uh, when some were in possession. The play was very well controlled. Didn't need to go full throttle. And especially against a Verona team that usually plays at a high tempo and presses high. I think his uh, contribution was very important. And I hope he stays in the team. But yeah, I think the main man is Kandreva. He's having an outstanding season. Um, you know, six goals for the season, four assists. A uh, lot to like about him. He's playing with a bit more flair now. He's not just a workhorse. So he's really... He's really surprised me this season. And, uh, um, yeah, uh, easily Sump's best player for the season. And uh, for the third goal, Nic- Nicola Muru, that that's done me because he's now the second-choice left back at Sump. He's never scored a Serie goal, and then he produces that. Just after about five minutes, he's been on the pitch. So, yeah, it was a great win all around, and hopefully this keeps lifting Sump off the relegation spots, keeps them away. Kev, we spoke about Genoa being a fun team recently. Has Andrei Shevchenko ruined them? They drew nil-nil away at Udinese. Yeah, it looks, <laughs> it looks a little that way, doesn't it? Um, however, I think Udinese have the capacity to drag anybody down to their yeah, level. Very true. Often, <laughs> often. However, last week, um, was last week, wasn't it? They had that sort of um, high-scoring high scoring match against who I'm looking for now. Uh, no, I can't write down. It happened they lost two one to Torino last week, didn't they? Oh, they beat Sassuolo three two the week before the international break. It's probably that. It was probably the Sassuolo game, I think. But um, yeah, it. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to go um, rummaging around for the full ninety minutes of this uh, fixture to watch. Don't even watch the highlights, <laughs> listeners. Don't even watch the highlights. Vito Cagliari had. Three, well, two points snatched from them, but they were very close to getting a win against Salernitana after Leonardo Pavoletti scored in the 73rd minute. But Federico Bonazzoli scored just, I mean, Cagliari just left him unmarked. He took a corner and then Cagliari just forgot that he existed 
but the ball went to the other side of the pitch and he just walked into the box and, and got it as the cross came back in and, and leveled. This is a big point for Salernitana, but more importantly, it's two huge dropped points for Cagliari. Yeah, well, they're both in the relegation zone and it seemed that uh, Cagliari were in a chance to hold on and then just to neglect Bonazzoli like they did, it was a great finish by Bonazzoli, I'll give him that, and I do have a lot of time for him as a player, but uh, yeah, very poor marking, and you'd think you got Nandez there that could have closed him down, who's usually a reliable player, but he didn't. And then Jao Pedro, who they're talking about becoming a naturalised Italian for the national team, and he could have blocked a shot, but uh, Bonazzoli managed to put the shot through him, so... Yeah, good good point for Salernitana. Good chance taken by Bonazzoli. But yeah, for Cagliari, um, a lot to be concerned about on their part. Okay. Reminder, listeners, patreon.com slash Forza Italian Football for bonus content. There is a midweek round of Serie A this week. So if you want to listen to a post-round pod on that, you will need to go over to patreon.com slash Forza Italian Football. It will be, because it's coming out in the first week of December, available for the €2 patrons. So sign up for as little as €2 a month and you will get that podcast. And you will also get the round 16, I suppose, preview pod, as well as the newsletter for that week because of the timing of it. So congratulations. Otherwise, sign up for €5, €10 a month and keep the community growing and we'll keep providing you with content over there but that is all we've got to say for this round i think veto anything else uh, no that's about it um yeah just get onto patreon join and uh, you won't regret it perfect i hope not i hope not kev have you anything else to add no, I think Vito's summed it up for us. There you it's go. Say, save me having to. <laughs> All right, that'll do. Patrons, we will speak to you during the week twice. And those of you not listening, get over to Patreon. Otherwise, we'll speak to you next weekend. Speak to you soon.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.